So glad that you're here. I hope you're glad already that you joined us for Easter Sunday. I want to welcome our online audience. Beginning today, we're streaming the entire service uh, during the 1030 hours. So we want to welcome you. I hope you enjoyed that worship as well. January 19th, um, 2015, John Smith, uh, 14-year-old, lived outside of St. Louis, and two of his friends were uh, playing out on the ice uh, at a lake near, not far from their home. And even though they had been warned not to do so, as being good teenage boys do, they decided to do it anyway. And tragically, John Smith fell through the ice. He was submerged underwater for 15 minutes. Um, his friends were unable to get to him. The EMTs were barely able to get to him. By the time they finally got him um, up onto the ice and began to do CPR on him, uh, his heart was long since not beating. They continued to work with him as they transported him to the hospital. They worked on him for 45 minutes and were unable to get his heart started. They finally, the doctor um, called it and went to the outer waiting room, brought his mother in that she might pay her last respects to her son before they took his body away. And as his mother came in to where he was, um, this wonderful, believing woman cried out to God and said, Lord, Holy Spirit, please give me my son back. And unbelievably, his heart began to beat. The doctors were absolutely startled. They didn't know what to say. Uh, his mother, father, they, they were, everybody was freaking out a little bit because they'd never really seen anything like this before. The doctors um, tried to console the, the mom and let her know that uh, even though his heart was beating again, he had been without oxygen to his brain for 45 minutes. And that if he survived at all, he would not be able to speak. Uh, he would be most likely just a vegetable kept alive uh, by feeding tubes and so forth. But they took John to a room, and he continued to gain strength. His breathing, which was erratic at first, began to get steadier. And each day, he continued to improve. Until, unbelievably, if you can just imagine this, it just has blown everybody away. But unbelievably, two weeks later, this happened. Throw that up on the screen for me. That's John on the left. He walked out of the hospital two weeks after they said there was no chance of his survival. A group of our women from here at Chartel went to a movie Friday night. It's called Breakthrough. And it's the story of the miraculous recovery of John Smith and something that the doctor said could never be that through the power of God is today because our God is a resurrected Lord. Amen. Throw that next picture up on the screen. Last month, they did a, they did a premiere. They were kicking off the, the movie and talking about they had a big gathering in St. Louis. Those are uh, rescue workers. They invited the rescue workers to thank them for the great work that they do uh, every day. And uh, this is John now at 18 years of age, handsome young man, who is still sharing the story of the incredible work that God has done in his life. Now, I was thinking about that, thinking about, you know, wouldn't it be cool just to sit down with him for a few minutes and just hear that story from his perspective? To, to hear, you know, what did you, what did you learn through all of this? How did, how did God speak to you through all of this? Wouldn't you love to sit down with his mother? 
and say, what was it like for you to, you know, endure the, the most, uh, you know, the biggest horror that of every, any parent could have, and that would be the death of their child, to go through something like that, to experience that, to lose all hope, and then unbelievably to have that hope restored. What would that like for you? Can you imagine talking to his friends? you know, who were there, who saw him fall through the ice, who felt so helpless to, to help him. And can you imagine for them who watched their friend die and then walk out of the hospital? I mean, can you, I, wouldn't you just love to hear the stories behind the story to, to hear all of that? Well, that, that's kind of the genesis for this series that I'm kicking off today called Dead Man Talking. Because we're going to look at the story of Lazarus, which who was a friend of Jesus that did die, and Jesus brought him back from the dead. And I, and I want to let the story, uh, Lazarus' story, speak to us about how God meets us at some of our deepest places where we need faith and hope and renewal. And I hope today is a great kickoff for you. I don't know where you may need God's help or power in your life today, but here's what I do believe Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he did for Lazarus and what he did for John. He can do for us. Amen. I want to invite you, if you want to take your sermon outline out, you can uh, track along with me. We're going to read uh, the passage. We're going to start, we're going to do something I've never done before in a sermon series. We're actually going to start at the end of the story of Lazarus and work our way backwards. Uh, we're going to do it. My wife said I've been backwards for a long time, but we're going, to, we're going to start at the end of the story. And work. We're going to talk about the end of what happened with Lazarus as, since it's Easter Sunday and work our way back from there. Uh, if you would like to have a Bible, the Bible's in the pews in front of you. Those are our gift to you. If you would need a Bible or like to take a Bible home or have one for a friend, please feel free to do that. We, we make those available to you. Let's look at the passage of Scripture from John chapter 11. This is toward the end of the story. It said, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. And it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor because he's been there for four days. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Now, wouldn't you like to have been in the crowd that day when that took place? You bet. Then Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, they believed in him. Now, as we unpack this story of Lazarus, there are several things that I, I hope will speak to you as they have spoken to me. The story of Lazarus does several things. One of the things it does, it, it assures us that God is aware of us. Come on, it's just us. How many of you would be honest enough to admit there have been times you felt a little bit forgotten by God? Yeah, almost all of us go through that on our journey. And, and yet you, what you're going to discover in this, the story of Lazarus is that Mary thought that. Lazarus probably thought that when he was sick. Martha thought that. And yet we're going to discover that, you know what? God knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you're going through. In fact, wherever you go this week, he's already aware of what's ahead of you. You do get that. Another thing that it is reminds us that it reminds us that God's presence 
is always with us. You know, one of the, one of the things that Mary and Martha say to Jesus that we're going to talk about in this series is they said, you know what, Jesus, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. Well, here's the deal. Jesus was there. And what I want you to know is, is I promise you, some of you this last week, I guarantee you, you, you felt very abandoned by God, or you felt like you were working through this all by yourself, or at least you didn't have a sense of God being with you. But here's what I can assure you. This God that we serve will never leave you or forsake you. And he is with you. We're going to talk about that. Another thought that the story of Lazarus shares with us that I, I think is so cool is that it, it shows God's compassion toward us. Come on, Bible scholars, what's the shortest verse in all of Scripture? Say it again. Jesus wept. And we're going to talk about that in this series. We're going to talk about what really behind that little verse, it shows us so much about the heart of God. What if I told you that there are times in your life that God weeps over you? We're going to talk about how compassionate God really is toward us. We're also this, realize that the story of Lazarus is going to, it's going to tell us a lot about the promises of God. And God makes some incredible promises to us, just like he made to Mary and Martha. And we're going to find out that God is a man of his word, and he keeps his promises. Amen? Let me get you the last one. The other thing we're going to discover, we're going to unpack today, is that this story reveals that Christ's resurrection that we're celebrating today, it was about us. The resurrection was about us. I want you to get this. Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead simply to prove who he was. Um, it, he, he didn't do it just to show the world that he really was God in the flesh. He didn't do it simply to fulfill prophecy. He didn't do it just to show his disciples that he could do it. Don't miss this. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He had nothing to prove to anybody about himself, but he rose from the dead for you and me. He rose from the dead because we need his grace in our lives. We need his power in our lives. If I were to ask you the question, where do you really need the hand and the help of God today? How would you respond to that? Well, well here's what I want you to know. What Jesus did for Lazarus, he can do for you. He can work in incredible ways in your life and in mine if we will just open our hearts to that same kind of resurrection power. Now, let's go back to the story for just a second. And I, and I want to I try to help you process this today because here's what I believe with all my heart. It's never too late for a new beginning. Aren't you glad? Never too late for a new beginning. I had, I had one of our parishioners in the first service who walked out and said, Pastor Steve, are you sure? I'm 81 years old. Are you sure it's never too late for a new beginning? And I said, you know what? Even at 81 years old, I believe God can make all things new. Amen? Well, let's talk about that. What can, what can we learn from this story? Well, a few things. Well, here's one. Don't let go of hope. Don't let go of hope. I had a friend of mine who wrote a book called What Are the Odds? And uh, in, that, in that book, he talks about all these different things that happen where they really happen, but they did happen. And it's like, you know what? God can do some pretty incredible things. Now, in fact, here's what I want you to understand. What this resurrection teaches us is that God is not only pretty good at some of the difficult stuff in our life, he's pretty good at some of the impossible stuff in our life. 
In fact, I love this passage of Scripture. Jesus quotes, throw that up on the screen for me. From Matthew 19, read this out loud with me. Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Did you get that? With God, what kind of things? All things are possible. Do you believe that? You see, that's the essence of the resurrected story, is that God can do things that people say just can't be done. That's why I throw that next statement up on the screen. That's why I, I wrote this in my notes, and I thought, you got to have this. Never put your hope to a vote. Never put your hope to a vote. How many people walking with Mary and Martha and Jesus to the tomb do you think believe Jesus could bring Lazarus out of the grave? Not a one of them. If they would have voted and said, do you think we ought to roll the stone away? How do you think that vote would have gone? You know, nobody. And here's what I want you to understand. There are going to be times in your life that God's going to nudge you in your heart. There's going to be times, God, you're going to feel this move of God in you to, to move in a certain direction or to believe God for something that people are going, you know what? They, don't put that hope God gives you to a vote from someone else. You believe what God says to you. Amen? That makes sense? Throw that picture up on the screen. This is a, such a great story. This is a, a woman named Shelley Wall. Shelley um, lives in northwest England. Um, her and her husband, um, she got pregnant, and they were uh, a little older to, to have children. And so they were excited, but they were very guarded. And um, early on uh, in the pregnancy, as the baby began to develop, they, um, they began to do some tests that were finding out that the, the baby was uh, having trouble. In fact, as they continued to do tests, they, they discovered that the baby um, had spina bifida. And the doctors said, you know, is going to be a slim chance that your baby's even going to be alive. Um, as the baby continued to grow, they decided to just keep going. And as the baby continued to grow, uh, they found out that the baby also had uh, hydrocephalus with uh, water in the brainal cavity and the cranial cavity, and that the brain was not developing, that the water was taking up all the space. And the doctor said, you know, your, your baby's body is growing, but the brain is not growing. Five times during her pregnancy, the doctor said, you need to terminate this pregnancy. Five times. But because they were older and because they believed and because they just said, you know, we're going to just kind of put this in the hands of God and, and whatever happened, the doctor said, you know, the, there's no chance. And even as she came up to the time of the birth, the doctor said, you understand, your child has no brain. The brain it shows no brain whatsoever. I mean, there may be a little smattering of something in there, but that's it. Your, your child will not be able to talk. It'll not be able to, 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 to walk. Your child will not even be able to eat. It'll, it'll not be able to speak anything. It won't, it won't be able to utter anything. Do you, do you understand? And they said, you know what? It's okay. Go, just keep, let's, let's go. Can you imagine the shock and surprise when the baby was born that the baby lets out this scream? And I said, well, let's check off the talking part right here. <laughs> and they discovered that even though the baby's brain had not developed, the brain stem was there. And so that controls some of these other functions so that the baby was able to, to breathe and it was able to, 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 to cry. It was able to do some of those things, but, but it still, it had 2% of a brain. And so the baby began to otherwise began to be healthy and 
And they began to continue to get care. Can you imagine what it was like for the doctors when this little baby turned three years old and they took it back in and they did another, another scan and found out this little 2% of a brain that it had, had now grown to 80% in size. And this little child that they said would never talk, would never smile, would, would never eat, would never breathe on its own, would never do anything. Can you imagine when this, come to that next picture. That's little Noah. And little Noah began to do everything that they said he would never, ever be able to do. And I love this. I saw this other picture. I love that. Unstoppable. This little child that they said would never have a chance is now they, 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 began to, they began to see that this little child was really beginning to grow. And then this, throw that last picture up. I just thought this was so cool. Here he is now. He's seven years old. This was on what in, in Britain is called Good Morning Britain instead of Good Morning America. Good Morning Britain. Here he is on here with his mom, Shelly and Rob, as they're, they're saying this, this child had no chance of doing any of this thing. The doctors five times had to terminate. But here he, here he is, a growing young little boy. Yes, he has some physical challenges. Yes. He still has some developmental issues, but he is incredibly a miracle that his parents love and adore. They were asking Shelly, they said, you know, what's the best part of this for you? And she said, every night when I tuck Noah in, every night when I lay that, my little boy down, she said, he looks up and he smiles and he says, good night, mom. I love you. This child who they said would never utter a word is doing more than the doctors ever thought possible. You know what? If they'd have put that boy to a vote, he wouldn't have been here today. But they held on to hope. Now look at me. I just want you to hear my heart. I have, I have no idea. I have no idea what it is you're struggling with. I have no idea what's going on in your life. I have no idea what you're, what you're facing or what you're fighting. And I, I wish I could tell you that every struggling story ends with a happy ending like that. And we all know that, you know, they don't always come out this way. But here's what I want to tell you. If God has placed his hand on your heart, if he has put that hope in you, you hold on to that hope and never put it to a vote to those around you. Amen? You betcha. Now, let me give you another piece of this story, and, and this one hurts a little bit, I think, for us. In order to see a miracle, we have to invite God into our mess. We've got to invite God into our mess. <laughs> okay, come on, it's just us. Nobody else is going to see your hand if, when you raise it, but how, how many of you would be honest enough to admit you have a junk room in your home? Yeah. Yeah. Or your entire garage? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, have a place where, you know, when, you, when guests come over, you know, and everything's fine, you just, you know, you lock and bar that door so nobody can really see what your house looks like, you know, for real. Well, we have these places, and I thought of that, I started laughing when I was working on the message this week, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about this, this story, and when Jesus, you know, they get to the tomb, when they go to the tomb, and Jesus says, roll away the stone, what does Martha say to him? Jesus. This dude's going to stink, man. <laughs> Four days he's been in there. Don't roll that away. Do you imagine the stench that's going to come out? And, and, when I, and I sat back and I started laughing and I go, isn't that just like us? We want to let God anywhere into our lives except in the stinky places. And we have some stinky places. You see, often the really sad part of this journey of faith is that sometimes the places that we most need God, we least invite him in. 
And in order for God to do some of the deep work that he really needs to do, we have to invite him into some of those places in our lives where we're really a mess. Come on, it's just us. There are times some of us come to church on a Sunday morning and, you know, we're smiling at everybody and people saying, hi, how you doing? And we're saying, man, we're fine. How are you? And, and we're lying to each other. Because the truth of the matter is, for some of us, there, there are some really deep places in our life where we're really hurting. Our, our marriage is a wreck or our family's in trouble. We're struggling with an addiction, what we can't bring ourselves to admit out loud. We're, we're dealing with some stuff in our life, and it's the stuff that really needs to be touched and changed. But you know what? We're, we're afraid. We're afraid to let people in, and quite frankly, we're afraid to let God in. And sometimes, look at me, sometimes we got to be willing to roll that stone away and let God into some of those stinky places that we don't want anyone to see. For God to do some of that miraculous work. Amen? You see, a part, of the, a part of the healing work and the change and the miracle that God does has to do with our willingness to be humble before Him and admit our need for God. In fact, I love this passage of Scripture. Throw it up on the screen. 1 Peter 5. Read this out loud with me, would you? So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time, he will lift you in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. In other words, we got to come to a place where we humble ourselves and say, Lord, I don't, I don't just need you. I really need you. I, mean, I, I wrote this down. Throw it up on the screen. I put this in your notes. You know, I've said, you know what? Most people will admit they need God, but few of us admit how desperately we need him. In other words, if I were to say, do you need God? Oh, well, yeah, I need God. I know I need No, no, look at me. You really need God. And some of us need him in ways and places that we find it hard to really admit. But when we humble ourselves, God can do some great stuff. <laughs> there was a guy a few years ago um, named uh, Sean Reeves. He got, a, um, he got a phone call from his uh, buddy, Brian Hopper. And Brian said, dude, I'm in trouble. And Sean says, what's up, man? And he said, I'm stuck. He said, well, where are you at? He goes, I don't know. I'm on an island. <laughs> he goes, dude, that's so random. <laughs> what do you mean you're on an island? And Brian said, well, he said, I had this wild idea. And he said, I thought I would get this inflatable raft and go down the Sacramento River. And he said, I wanted to go, I wanted to go all the way to, to the Golden Gate Bridge. And Sean said, why in the world would you take an inflatable raft all that way? And he said, well, I wanted, to, I wanted to draw attention to social causes. And he goes, oh, wow, okay, whatever. Where are you at? And Brian says, I don't know. He goes, I got a hole in my raft. And he said, and I made it to a little island out here in the middle of the bay somewhere. But I really don't know where I'm at, but I need you to come get me. <laughs> How many of you have friends like this? You know, just, and Sean's like, dude, I, ha I have no idea where you are. How, how am I going to come get you? And, and he said, I'm, I'm going to have to get some help. And, and, and Brian was like, no, 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 don't go. Don't get, you you got to find me. And Sean said, dude, I can't. And he said, let me go. So Sean calls the Coast Guard, and they were able to triangulate his phone, and they found out he was on a little island called Roe Island out in the middle of, this, out in the middle of the nowhere. And when the lifeguards never like got there, show that picture. This was, they found his raft, flated raft right there. But here was the thing that blew me away. When, when they got there and found him, he had been on this island for five days. 
Five days. Look at me. He had a cell phone the entire time. But he didn't want to call anybody. He, he left. This is, this, this story is hilarious. He, he leaves. He gets this inflatable raft. He not only goes, he takes with him. He's, a, he's one of these real Boy Scouts, you know, has all this stuff with him. You know what he had with him? He had two burritos and a life-size mannequin of Arnold Schwarzenegger with him. <laughs> I'm not making this up. Now, can I just say, if, I've, if I'm traveling with a mannequin of Arnold, I don't want to tell anybody either. You know what I'm saying? Now, why in the world? This guy, he went through his first, he had two burritos in the first night, and he's trying to repair his raft. He realizes he's not. So the next day, he starts eating plants off of this island to sustain himself. Why did he wait five days? Anybody, why did he wait? He was too embarrassed. I don't want you to miss this. His pride came really close to costing him his life. He had a cell phone. He could have called for help at the first sign of trouble, but he didn't. Now look at me. I just want you to hear my heart. Some of us are dying. Our marriage is dying. Our families are struggling. We're caving in, tanking internally. And yet we're still too proud to humble ourselves before God and ask for his help. If you want a miracle in your life, you got to roll the stone away. You got to let God into some of those stinky places. If you want a miracle, you got to let God in to the mess. Amen? Let me give you one more. God wants to do more than just change our circumstances. He wants to change our lives. God wants to do more than just change our circumstances. He, he wants to change our lives. <laughs> Some of you may have seen this in, in the news. It was a, a woman up in Utah that got arrested for embezzling money from her company uh, a few years back. And uh, she had embezzled a good bit of money, over $100,000. And it was her first offense. Um, it was like a set class two felony or something. And they wanted, to, they wanted to kind of be gracious to her. And so rather than give her an extended jail term or all of that, they, they offered to give her community service and probation and an opportunity to make restitution by getting a job and paying back the money that she owed, which she did get a job. This second job that she got, they just discovered last year, she was embezzling from them too. Uh, and she was again confronted because there was a, over $100,000 that was missing from this company. And as they began to find out what she was doing, one of the things that she was doing is she was actually paying her restitution fees from the money that she was invest, embezzling from this new company. Do you see the irony there? She's paying off that sin by, by, you know, by this one. And it was, it was just this amazing story. And I'm reading this and I'm going, isn't that a great picture of human nature? Come on. I mean, how often do we, do we say, God, I need a miracle. I need a, I need a fix. I need you to do something. But how often do we just ask God to change our circumstances? And once we get bailed out of the circumstances, we go on right back doing things the same way. And you know what? If you always do what you've always done, you always get what you always got. 
Amen. I love you. God loves you. God wants to do something really cool tonight, but here's what you need to understand. God wants to do more than just fix that crisis in your marriage. He wants to make you a new man and woman of God. He wants to do more than just health, help you through this health crisis or this financial crisis or this personal crisis. God wants to come into your life as Savior and Lord to do something really purposeful and meaningful through your life. What if we ask God not just for a miracle to get us out of the mess, but what if we ask God to do a miracle so we could live differently? I love the passage from Romans. Throw it up on the screen. It says, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, read it with me, church, now we also may live new lives. That's why I put the statement on your outline and said, you know what? A new beginning is only the beginning of what God wants to do. Amen. There's a, a woman by the name of Tammy Lewis. Um, when, when Tammy was born, she was a micro preemie. Uh, she was born three and a half months early. Um, one pound, four ounces. Throw that picture up on the screen. She was literally so small that you could hold her in, in the palm of your hand. Uh, doctors, when she was born, gave her a five to six percent chance of survival. Um, but this little Tammy lived. And she began to grow. And again, kind of like what we talked about with little Noah, kind of against all odds, the, someone who should have never made it, Tammy made it. And this little tiny preemie became, spent three and a half months in the uh, newborn uh, ICU unit at McLaren Hospital in Temple, Texas. And, and she came out and she became a healthy baby and the healthy baby became a healthy toddler and a healthy child and a healthy young adult. And when Tammy graduated from high school, she began to ask the question, God, what do you want me to do with my life? You saved me. You performed a miracle or I wouldn't be here. And Tammy said as she began to look, she, she thought about being a teacher. She thought about doing some great work. She said, but she, as she began to look into the medical field, she said, something clicked in my heart. And I felt like God put his hand on my shoulder and just said, this is for you. And so she did. And Tammy who was this little preemie starting out life, became a respiratory therapist. Throw that up on the screen. Not only did she become a respiratory therapist, but she works in the newborn ICU unit at the same hospital where she was a preemie born 34 years ago. She works with some of the same doctors who worked to save her life. She works with some of the same nurses who cared for her. Here's, here's Tammy, who, who could have gone anything with her life, but she valued this gift that God gave her and said, how can I return this back to you? And she said, I felt like God gave me a chance to give back to so many other young kids, so many other newborns, the same chance that God gave to me. That's making the most out of the gift God's given you. I love it. Throw that next picture up on and that McLaren Children's Hospital in Temple. They have a, what they call a hall of hope. And they have Tammy's picture up on that, uh, on, up on there and just telling her story uh, of, what, of what God brought her from to where he's brought her through now. God wants to do more than just fix our problems. 
God wants us to live new lives. Amen? So let's go back to the beginning. If Jesus were to walk next to you today, and he were to ask you, what do you really need from me? What would that be? A second chance? If that's what you need? The Bible says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If any man be in Christ, Paul said, he's a brand new creation. The old is gone and all things become new. And, and, and I don't care who you are, where you've been, or how bad you've fouled up today. God's arms are open wide to you. And his grace and mercy, willing to give you a breath, brand new start on life. It's never too late for that kind of new beginning. For some of us, maybe we got some really deep stuff going on. Some of, maybe we've got some stuff relationally. Maybe we've got some stuff financially. Maybe we've got some, some stuff spiritually going on in our lives. Maybe we've got some chaos. And we go, you know what, Steve? I need a miracle today. I need Jesus to do something in me. I need him to bring life to, quite frankly, where there is no life today. And you know what I could tell you? If you knew the stories of the people sitting in this audience this morning, they could tell you what I'm telling you today. Nothing's too difficult for God. He can not only fix the mess we're in, he can give us a brand new beginning. Amen. I want you to bow your heads with me, and, and I'd just like to, to pray for you in just a second. And before I do that, with every head bowed, every eye closed, could I just invite you to be honest with me this morning? This morning, if you need some of that resurrection power that Christ dispensed at Lazarus's tomb in your life today, maybe it's for forgiveness and a fresh brand new start. Maybe it's for some miracle that you need God to do in your life personally, relationally, financially. If you need a special touch from the Lord today, and you'd like me to pray for you, wherever you are, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor Steve, that's me. That's me. I, I need that kind of miracle in my life. I need God to do something powerful, special. Amen. I thank you for your honesty. I really do. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, as we come before you today, we look at this story of Lazarus and we go, man, I would have loved to have been in the crowd that day. But the truth of the matter is, Sometimes we're just like Lazarus. Sometimes, Lord, we have some things going on in our life that aren't fixable by our own human hands. And that's our story. Some of us, Lord, have really fouled up in our lives. We've done things we shouldn't have done. We've, our life has gone directions it shouldn't have gone. And, and Lord, even coming in the door today, we felt guilty. Church was maybe the last place we wanted to be because we don't really feel all that holy. But Lord, your word says that you're able to take our sin and you're able to cast it into our, your sea of forgetfulness. Your word says that even though our sin be like scarlet, we can be made as, as white as snow. And so, Father, I pray today for each and every person that maybe for the first time in their life is just admitting their need to you. And today, would you wrap your arms of grace around them? Would you wash over them with your love? Would you remind them today that for God so loved them that they sent you into this world? 
that if they would just believe in you, they don't have to perish, but they could have everlasting life. For you didn't send your son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through you might be saved. And today, Lord, whoever they are, wherever they are, would you just make them new today by the power of your hand. And Father, there are some of us today that, quite frankly, we need a miracle today. You know what's going on in our marriage. You know what's going on in our families. You know what's going on in our health. You know what's going on in our finances. You know the crisis that we're in today. And God, we just admit to you, we can't fix it. And maybe we've been trying to hide it from you and hide it from everyone else for a long time. But Lord, today we humble ourselves before you. And we admit, God, we need your miracle. We invite you into the mess of our lives. Lord, would you do something for us that only you can do? Father, I pray today that you would move among us. And not that you would just fix our problems, not that you would just change our circumstances, but Lord, I pray that you would move among us in such a powerful way today that you would change our very lives and the way that we live. Lord, as you lift us up, as you meet us at our point of need, as you, as you change our hearts, as you give us a miracle for our problems, as you work in all of these places, would you set us also on a new direction? Would you give us something new to live for? Would you set before us, Father, a, a new plan? And would you work in our lives? I, when I keep thinking about Tammy Lewis and, and how she just dedicated this miracle of her life to you. God, would you help us to do that today? You, you give us a brand new beginning and we stand before you to say, Lord, with, by your power and by your strength, we'll live different lives than we've lived before. Father, we thank you today. At the end of the story of Lazarus, it says, when people saw what you did for Lazarus, that many came to believe in you. And we pray, Lord, that you would do something in us that would be so spectacular that there would be many around us who would come to believe in you as well. Father, we thank you so much this day for your resurrection power that's still alive today. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Amen.